was a week or two ago, I heard I heard this phrase or I read it. Um, I can't remember, but it it um, I kind of paid attention or I noticed it when I read it or heard it um, when it entered into my awareness. And I know I've heard stuff like this over the years, but never really paid attention. But this time I said, that's interesting. Let me let me spend some time thinking about that. And what I heard, the sentence I heard is, you don't do the Dharma, the Dharma does you. And I was thinking, what does that even mean? Um, and so that's what I wanted to think about. That's what I wanted to reflect on, because I think there there can be some meaning to that. There can be some benefit to to that idea, not that it's a way to live our lives, but I think it's um, an interesting thing. And so what I did is I, I wanted to look and see, well, what would you start with? Well, if Dharma does me, um, what is the Dharma? And um, I know what I mean when I say the Dharma, but what I, I looked it up on the internet, and Dharma is Dharma's in the language just as karma is in our language and nirvana is in our language and i just want to do a linguistic um uh footnote that dharma you might hear people say dharma karma nirvana those are sanskrit that's the sanskrit version of those words you might also hear dhamma kama and Nibbana, and those are the Pali versions of the same word. And so um, Pali is the language that the Buddha's teachings were written down in. So uh, if you read any of the suttas, you'll see Kama and Dhamma rather than um, Dharma. But people, I say Dharma because it's, it's so much more common. People get that um, more easily. And I looked it up, and I found one thing that I thought was really interesting. And this is from a, a Hindu, I think a Hindu perspective, um, uh, because this woman was, under, I think, the, under the auspices of Deepak Chopra. And she said, the word dharma, dharma refers to your soul's purpose, and it's the reason why you're here. And it tells you why um, it's the certain role you're going to play. And I just want to say that that's not Buddhist at all. So um, you don't have to take notes, except this is not the Buddhist concept. It might be, there's no soul in Buddhism. There is, I think, in, um, in um, Hindu religion, but not in Buddhist religion. So that is, if you read that, just be careful that you are, um, if you're practicing Buddhism or studying Buddhism, that you're moving down that um, that path. And so that is not, there's a lot of, because it is such a common word and karma is so common, there's a multitude of understandings of what it is. But what I want to try and do is kind of move it into the early Buddhist teachings, because that's where my, that's where my interest, that's where my practice is. Um, and so when I talk about the Dharma, especially in the context of taking refuge, the, the, three, the three jewels or the three treasures, taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in the Dharma, and taking refuge in the Sangha as a core, core uh, teaching in Buddhism, taking refuge in these three things. When I talk about taking refuge in the Dharma, I talk about it in two different ways. One, the Dharma is the teachings, 
Um, you can think of it as the, the word of the Buddha, the, the Pali Canon, which is enormous. Um, if you're familiar with it, it's, it's, it's bigger than this little square I'm sitting in, this rectangle I'm in. It's a, it's a lot. And it's not that it's all these different things you have to learn, but the Buddha had some very core teachings that he taught in a multitude of different ways, depending on who he was talking to, depending on who was asking the question. So there, you know, and, and you know the, <clears throat> the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and the different lists and um, the three characteristics of existence that life is, you know, uh, uh, impersonal and uh, impermanent and unsatisfactory. So these really basic teachings um, are, are put forth again and again and again in, in various ways in the canon. But that is, that's what I talk about in the Dharma. Um, and part of the, part of the, that uh, canon, as I mentioned, is the core teaching of the um, Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths are that, and this is, this is something that came to the Buddha, he penetrated the truth of this on the night of his awakening, is that there is um, uh, dukkha. There is un, our life has an unsatisfactory nature to it. There is, there is um, birth. There's death. There's loss. We will be separated from everything we care about. Um, if you think about the five remembrances, uh, we are all of the nature to grow old, get sick, and die. Like I said, everything we have will be taken from us. We'll, everything and um, all we have are our actions. So to recognize that, um, but there, and then the cause of our, our um, the cause of our, our suffering, the, the unsatisfactory nature, uh, the unsatisfactoriness of our experience is because we want to hold on to stuff and we want um, pleasant all the time. That's, that doesn't ever work out. And um, the, um, the, um, there is a way out, and that's the Eightfold Path. And so um, in thinking about this, um, and in, in the teachings, the Buddha uh, offered inside, because, you know, um, there are lists and lists inside of lists inside of lists, but that's, I think, a way to... This was an oral tradition for many, many years before the texts were written down. And so this is a way of memorizing these teachings is to create these lists. And that's how they're more easily um, remembered. Um, each, of the, each of the Four Noble Truths have, have three insights uh, as part of them. And Philip Moffat wrote a book a number of years ago called Dancing with Life, where he touched on this. And what I think this points to is how the Dharma moves from you doing the Dharma to the Dharma doing you. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Eat the insights, and this is just, I think, common in how we learn things. There's the, the teaching, and let's say you, you, you read about this stuff for the very first time. You read a book, Introduction to Buddhism or anything, and it's an intellectual exercise. You write it down, you take notes, you talk about it, you read it, um, and it's like, oh, there is suffering, there is birth, there is death, and the nature of, um, you know, 
everything changes, nothing stays the same. Okay, whether there's a, an intimacy with that teaching um, or not, um, that, that's what, it, and it's the same with, with any kind of teaching, whereas you learn it, you read it, somebody talks to you about it, there's the intellectual aspect. You acknowledge that this teaching exists. You acknowledge the idea. Well, that's an interesting idea. I wonder how I feel about it. So that's the first insight where you reflect on something. And then as you continue to reflect on it, you begin to experience it directly. And it starts to, I always like to say, it moves from the head to the heart. It's this journey that the teaching takes. And so there's the intellectual experience of it. And then there's the recognition of it in your life. So let me, if we talk about the first noble truth, that there is this, this um, things pass, impermanence, and, and um, things end. And so to say, okay, yeah, and then to see how, and we, don't, we want pleasant rather than unpleasant. And so we have this idea, this teaching, and then we begin to recognize it's like, oh my gosh, that's right. I wanted, I didn't want that to end, and I, was, I didn't want this relationship to end. And I held on. You know, they, the saying is, there were claw marks. Everything I let go of has claw marks in it. That's the inability to let go when things are, are done. It's because we want what we want when we want it. So then we begin to recognize, oh my God, that was so painful yesterday or last week when that happened. And we begin to recognize the teaching in our life. And then the third insight, as it moves down, we have that experience within us. So we begin to recognize, oh, you know what? This is over. I'm going to release it without going through the suffering, without going through the struggle and the pain. That is the, the movement, the, the insight the path of insight. And each of the noble truths has one. And so the first one is that, you know, life is inseparable from dukkha. There is pain. There is gain and loss, pleasure, pain, um, praise and blame. It just happens to everyone. It's not personal. It's not personal. And we have to remember not to take it personally. I mean, of course, there are intimate experiences that we have with people and but the big picture, it's like, why did, you know, why did I get sick? Um, because human beings get sick. I've, I've heard that again and again from people. Um, and the, the practice is to be willing to be with this discomfort, to be with this suffering. We ha we're so attuned, and it's kind of baked into us, you know, as, as um, mammals, we have to recognize, or as creatures, we have to recognize when there's danger and to take off and run away from danger. Absolutely. But a lot of times, it's, we're holding on to um, ideas or thoughts or, or things that we think we need, ideas about ourselves, I, me, my, and that causes suffering. Can we be with this pain? Can we acknowledge the reality of what's happening and move into that place and um what philip talks about is you know developing and um what suzuki roshi wrote about in um zen mind beginner's mind is that don't know mind don't when we hold all the answers to things it's really challenging because 
my ideas and reality are not often in the same room. And there's a lot of discomfort that happens because of that. So I have to be willing to let go and say, I don't know, what is this? I don't know, what is this? And to greet the discomfort that's present. So that's that's how you move through it. And then the second noble truth, this recognition, this is a really core teaching that our suffering, the, the, the root cause of this discomfort we have, this dissatisfaction is our chasing pleasure, wanting it to be good all the time or pushing away the discomfort. We have to be willing to hold, to sit in the fire. It doesn't mean we don't work to change harmful things in our lives. That's not what that means. But it means that we have to be willing to touch our sadness, to touch our grief. We're, this, we're so adept at, at moving away from that. Instead, we have to be with, what does that feel like? You know, can I let go of that idea that things have to go my way or it has to look a certain way? You know, and abandon, let go of that clinging, let go of that craving, watch that tendency. I mean, I was, I was on, in a retreat a couple of weeks ago, and um, there was a Q&A with the teacher every morning, and at this one morning, he was actually asking for some input on something, on a question, and I had put my name in the chat, and that's how they were, um, it was an on an online retreat, and that's how they were calling people to be, um, to ask their question or to make their comment. And um, running out of time, w one last woman was called, and she made her comment. And the teacher, who I respect mightily, Biko Analio, he said, yes, that's it. That's, that's wonderful. What a fabulous thing to say, and what a great way to end. And I was like, but I was going to say the same thing. Why didn't you pick me? I want him to see me. I want him to know me. And I was like, oh. It was like, it was like stuck on this. It, you know, it's like, and I saw it. It, it took me a while. I, I struggled with that for replaying it, replaying it, replaying it over and over, trying to mentally um, work it out. And then I think, the next day I realized it was like, oh, be with the discomfort of it, that old, old story of wanting to be seen, that antique, and instead just, oh, and express some tenderness towards that. That's the movement from, you know, that craving and then letting go of that idea of if he recognizes me, then I'll live happily ever after because that's what we think is going to happen. And let go of the I, me, and mine, those cravings. Really important. And once I was able to do that, it kind of dissipated. You know? And then the third noble truth, recognizing that there is this, this way out. There is a cessation. Okay, how do I do that? I, I believe this. This is going in the right direction. How do I do this? And then um, practicing it practicing it, practicing it, and beginning to shift. This is when the Dharma starts to move from an intellectual exercise to how you move through the world, the, the, the beginning to have the flow, and thinking about wise speech, where I, um, you know, 
was a very adept at sarcasm, which I've talked about many times, but through the application of wise speech and the willingness to let go, and this is the Eightfold Path, you know, the willingness to let go, the embodiment was different. It's no longer the go-to, and I'm willing to just let things slide. I don't have to jump in and say anything. And so that's the movement from the intellectual, well, how the hell does this work, to, oh, and then have it move into the heart and be part of how we move, this, this felt shift in our consciousness. Things that we used to hold on to no longer need to be held on to. You know, and then the, the fourth noble truth is the Eightfold Path, which supports this movement from the, the you doing the Dharma to the Dharma doing you. There's the study, there's the practice, there's the intention, you know, and there's the being in touch and recognizing those moments and experiences of not clinging to anything. It, we move from clinging to everything and at a gross level, obviously not, but to not even being aware of how we're holding on to ideas and, and stories into this shifting and letting go, this shifting and letting go. That retreat I was on a couple of weeks ago um, was uh, an emptiness retreat, and it was really a, this day-by-day-by-day day by day, um, progression of releasing, 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 until there's just this not a single holding on to anything. Ultimately, that's nirvana when you just have completely ceased holding on to anything. I have not gotten there. I'm still holding on to stuff, but much farther along than I used to be. So, um, you know, this, this dharma that we come to to study and say, you know what, I really appreciate these teachings as a starting out as an intellectual exercise. Because I remember when I first started, it was like, what is that? And how does that fit here? And who did this? And I, there's a chart of, of all the lists and how they fit together and support each other. It can be quite, um, is it left brain? Um, but there's also the other side of it is the, the right brain, the, the kindness and the compassion. Because when you are imbued with this um, awareness, and the willing to let go of the I story and the me story and the my story. There's this, there's this connection, this connectedness that happens just on its own. Because this sense of separation melts because we've embodied this. It's like, I don't have to have all these things in order to be okay. I can be at ease just right now as it is. Um, and I love, it, it reminded me of my favorite... Um, uh, saying around intention. And it's, again, we're moving from doing the Dharma to the Dharma doing you. In, in wise intention, a wise, wholesome intention leads to action, which leads to habit, which leads to character, which leads to destiny, which is karma, you know, leads to karma. So this moving, you know, being willing to learn and then be willing to recognize that's what the practice is we are willing to recognize this stuff in our life and then it just kind of percolates down you know and um 
I was thinking about all the different ways that I've moved from, and I invite you to think about this too in your own life. Um, maybe a couple of, obviously not the details, but some of these these types of things. Um, I rec- I realize now is the Dharma doing me. I used to I used to wear my mom's wedding ring. And at some point, I lost it. It fell off somewhere. I, I think I was washing my hands at work or something. Or I don't know, but that was my best guess. And I was, um, I was like, oh, it's gone. I was sad because I lost it, but I stopped and I reflected about X number of years ago, I would have freaked out. You know, it's like, oh my God, I'm so bad, blah, 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 blah. You know, my mom died so many years ago and this was the one one thing I had that I cherished, blah, 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 blah. I didn't have to have that to be okay. It's just like gain and loss. There's loss. I can suffer over it. There's the there's the first arrow of the lost, but there's doesn't need to be a second and a third and a fourth arrow. You know, um, Caring what people think. Oh my God, my I there was such self-loathing in my life growing up. Never good enough. Always on the outside looking in. Like I'm still stuck on that. I wanted Analio to see me and think I was. Oh my God, that was such a brilliant question. And it's like, ah, then we would be best friends, right? Which means nothing. But so I still have that. But overall, it's. And it's like, I can only, I can't donate my life to people pleasing and being all things to all people. It's just, it doesn't work. There's praise and blame. There's praise and blame. People are going to like me. People are going to misunderstand me. People are not going to like me. It's just as I feel that same way about others. But, you know, just losing that, um, losing that, tight grip of needing to have things a certain way there's so much freedom there there's so much freedom there that's the moving through the world that dharma is doing me now um you know things ending things ending relationships ending situations ending i used to just i used to wallow in oh it's ending i had especially i used to go camping up to this place and Central California in the high desert, and we'd go for a few days. And I, I mean, every the last night, I'd always sit there staring, trying, "Will I ever be here again?" It was like so morose, and it's like, and now it's like, oh, it's time to leave, and I leave, and there's no that suffering, uh, that angst. It's like, no, it's time to go, time to do this, time to do that. That's the Dharma working because I've been able to let go, you know? Um, the pain of not letting go, not letting it work, because I'm still so attached to my great ideas of how things should be. And still recognizing that there's still a lot to do, you know? Um, I'm, I'm from New York and I'm a Yankee fan and I'm not allowed to like the Boston Red Sox, but you know what? The Dharma working through me made me realize that I don't actually care, <laughs> which is a tremendous freedom, tremendous freedom. And that's really silly, but the Dharma just doesn't work on important things, quote, unquote, important things. It works on our relationship to the world. 
if we are serious in our practice and willing to see things that maybe we haven't been willing to see before, to uncover, um, you know, maybe things we don't like about ourselves, acknowledge that this is the way it is. Acknowledge the human condition. That's a really important part, that we're just human beings. We can't be anything other than who we are. And we can move in a direction that, that doesn't cause harm, that that's, lives in harmony with the rest of the world, and do the best we can. I have found these teachings to be brilliant, absolutely brilliant to support that way of life, to have us move in a wise way. Um, it's, I am so much lighter than I used to be, so much lighter than I used to be. I'm so grateful for these teachings, so grateful for my practice that I've been able to, to, to stick with this for yo the low these many years. Um, and, and not done yet. And so I'm, I'm hoping with continued study and, and continued uh, uh, practice and willingness to look and see and be with that this Dharma will continue to percolate down and um, imbue my body and my outlook and how I move through the world. So that is my little ponderings about um, not doing the Dharma, but letting the Dharma do you. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your kind attention, my friends. Um, I hope this will be of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystankavich.org backslash support. Thank you.